Well, good morning. Uh, we welcome you here, and uh, it's great to see some faces from the past. Uh, we have been coming here for 44 years, and uh, while in the last 20 we haven't been here uh, often, it's been a delight to uh, come back to this place that uh, means so much to our family. Uh, the ministry that I've been privileged to um, to do for 41 years started right here. Um, it started on the porch uh, right above us when Chuck Swindoll, who became my mentor, he didn't have a book at the time. I didn't have a ministry at the time, but he became my mentor for 10 years and... Uh, helped shape, along with Mount Hermon, uh, the ministry and that we're involved in. Uh, I want to introduce my wife, Louise, who has stood by me for 57 years. And I mean that she's stood beside me and behind me and around me and supported me in every way. Uh, being married 57 years. Uh, now, people ask me oftentimes when they hear we've been married that long, I proposed to her in the 10th grade in, in high school where we first met. And, and she wouldn't accept it. And uh, she, as to use Pastor uh, Crawford's expression, kicked me to the curb like a dog. So five years later, I was able to finally catch her. And, uh, you know, the secret to uh, a, a happy marriage, I found, uh, a lot of people ask me, I do some marriage conferences myself, and I said, well, the secret is that the wife takes a husband to Europe on the fifth anniversary. And on the 50th anniversary, she goes and picks him up. And so... <laughs> That's, that's the secret to a, a happy marriage right there. Uh, so uh, I've had the privilege of um, speaking um, and, and delivering a similar message as what you're going to hear today uh, to NFL players and teams that I've been chaplain for, to police and fire departments, to uh, Sunday school groups, and to churches. Um, each time I vary it a little bit depending on the audience, but uh, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, I've never uh, uh, ceased to be amazed at how the Holy Spirit goes before us and prepares the way. I didn't know what Dan and Tom were going to sing. I didn't know, I had never met Pastor Crawford, so I had no idea what he'd be preaching. And uh, I have 18 books and have preached scores, hundreds of messages. And when Dave asked me to come and share two messages, you know, it was kind of like, God, what would you have me do? And as I thought and prayed about that, two messages came to mind. One, the one we're doing today, coping with stress, anxiety, depression, and finding a, a way forward in this world, this chaotic world we're in. And the second one tomorrow, finishing well and finishing strong. 
most of us in this room are of the age that we're beginning to think about we have more days behind us than probably ahead of us. And so finishing well and finishing strong is about what do we do with our lives as believers going forward until the day God calls us home. But in preparing for today's message, I didn't know Pastor Crawford was going to be talking about discouragement last night. I didn't know the boys this morning would be talking about, I forget, it was about third or fourth song, he talked about the grip of death, okay, and how we reflect on that and um, how that can become a distraction, a, a captive to our thoughts. And uh, here God had orchestrated the whole thing. And so I'm here simply, quite frankly, as a humble servant, uh, just wanting to share what God has put on my heart. So we're going to have some fun. We'll have a little interaction. And uh, uh, we'll uh, talk about this whole thing of dealing with our obstacles. But let's pray uh, before we start. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, the privilege that's mine to share what you have poured into me through your word, through your spirit, through others before me. I pray for these people, each of them, who've come here, perhaps with some sort of a thought about their own lives or maybe the lives of someone in their family or close friends that they wish to help in overcoming obstacles. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. I also want to acknowledge I have one of our daughter-in-laws here, a beautiful daughter-in-law, Thelma, and uh, Adela is probably at the other seminar. But uh, it, knowing that our boys have been married to two wonderful women has been a wonderful thing because many of us, we can't choose our in-laws. And they're probably saying that about us, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, uh, we're uh, delighted to have these two women in the lives of our sons. Uh, never before in my lifetime have I seen so many people frustrated, angered, discouraged, disappointed, even strong believers. Uh, do we wear a mask or no mask? Uh, do we get vaxxed or not vaxxed? Uh, things that are splitting Christians apart, that are splitting churches apart, uh, that there's almost uh, an arrogance about, well, I'm going to defy whoever, the government, the leadership of the church, and wear a mask or not wear a mask. Uh, the civil dis disobedience going on. Who would ever think that people our age could be walking down a street and someone hit us in the head just to knock us out? I mean, Really? Are you kidding me? I grew up in East Oakland during a very, very tough time. Racial violence was prevalent. Um, I had to literally decide, coming home from junior high school, whether I was going to take homework home or not, because oftentimes I had to run home or fight. That was a whole different scene than what we're seeing today. The scene is nonsense. It's craziness. The things that are going on in our culture that are distracting us 
from our faith, from our families, from relationship with one another in community like this that are keeping people out of churches. We're seeing our whole political system being uh, captured by radicals that are taking us in a direction that I can't understand. I see what's happening in Canada and realize we're maybe a year or two away from that kind of scene happening here. These kind of things going on in our culture, uh, to me, are, are um, uh, distractions and cause all kinds of concerns and anxieties. And um, as I was doing my, uh, I, I tried to read through the Bible in a year, and as I was doing my reading about two months ago, I came across Ezekiel 33. And I just want to open with this. And it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people, and say to them, I'll bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take one man from among them, and make him a watchman. Where are the him and hers that are watchmen today in our churches, in our schools, in our homes? You folks are. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. But we need within our culture to help the younger people understand the importance of shepherding. I see too many young pastors who are all caught up with the smoke and the mirrors and being entertaining, right? And they call themselves pastor, but they're not shepherds. They don't shepherd their flock. The book I just turned in the day before we left was, is on Psalms 23. And it's a psalm of calm in a time of chaos. And the Psalms 23, as you'll remember, talks about the shepherd and the sheep. We need shepherds today. And I'm putting a clarion call to this group and to every group I speak with to be those watchmen, to be those people who blow the horn, that sound the trumpet. Because we, we are in a culture today that... Um, a lot of the younger people, let alone us, that have more experience uh, are finding distracting and frustrating. It's interesting that when distractions and frustrations divert us uh, from living a, a joyful life and a purposeful life, that we flounder. Um, I had this in my notes before Pastor Crawford spoke. And I'll say the same thing pretty much that he said yesterday. It's not the problems or the obstacles in our life, but it's how we choose to process and react to them. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. In fact, I came home yes, uh, last night after the sermon. I looked at my wife, and we had got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to catch a plane from Idaho down here, yep, Idaho, we left California. I'm still working full-time, she's still working full-time. We're in Idaho. Uh, a little side road, people said, why did you go to Idaho 23 years ago? 
And I said, one day I was praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? And he said, I don't know. And I thought he said, Idaho. <laughs> I, so we ended up in Idaho. But uh, here I was, tired as could be, uh, and I thought, I need to redo my whole message. I need to do a different message. Because Pastor Crawford touched on several of the key points. And one of the points that he touched on that we're going to go to shortly here in the, in the slide presentation is that we can choose, as he said, he said, we can choose, right, to trust. We can choose joy. We can choose faith. We can choose community or communication. And we can choose service. And I submit to you that we, God gives us that right to choose. And before we get so distracted in some of these issues, uh, that we're going to point out here, I, I just want to say to you is that you can sometimes find yourself going down that spiral. I know I have many times because I let these things distract me from loving God, loving others, and serving. And uh, I, I've told my wife this before that... Um, I've been privileged that God has emptied into me all these books that we've done. But every time I start a book is usually God knows that if he wants to distract me, he attacks me in the physical with my health. And uh, tomorrow I'll talk about a health issue that almost took my life at 37 and was one of the reasons that I went into ministry full time, a non-malignant brain tumor. But... Uh, God can do that with me. He knows us. He knows our, the devil knows our wiring. And, and he's not God, but he, he knows where he can trip up Jim Grassi. He knows how he can try to distract me. And it'll either be in family relationships or it'll be in my health. And so it's with a lot of prayer and a lot of support from friends and family I ask to pray for me when I start either a, a series of messages or books uh, that, um, that I will not be distracted. And so we're going to look at some biblical insights uh, that's going to help us. Uh, the, this um, series, or, or I should say this this message, I just did a series on this book, and so this is part of that series, came from this book, uh, Overcoming Barriers Men Face, Biblical Thoughts on Issues Confronting Men Today. Now, it's not just men. Our, the ministry that God has allowed me to have is called Men's Ministry Catalyst. We go around helping churches, pastors, lay leaders, develop vibrant and effective dynamic ministries to men. Notice I didn't say men's ministries. Because men's ministries is a silo in a church. Ministry to men is every man in a church and those that you wish would be in the church, in your community. And so we uh, have been recognized now as the world leader in providing resources, not only books, 
but uh, blueprints, materials, helping churches to create vibrant and dynamic ministries to men. So most of my audiences that I speak to and write to are men. So how did this come about? Well, when we usually think about men, we think they stuff it, right? They don't talk about their disappointment, their, their stuff, right? They may with one another occasionally, but they're not like women. Women can come, my wife can be standing in a grocery line, and we have gone grocery shopping, and she'll say, oh, honey, I need another gallon of milk. By the time it takes me to get from the basket to go get the milk and come back, both people on either side of her know how many kids we have, where we live, <laughs> what I had for breakfast, last time we had sex or whatever. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, women naturally have this affinity that they can speak uh, openly and quickly to one another and share information. Uh, and uh, uh, men aren't that way. And yet, I have to tell you, in the last two years, I have done more pastoral counseling to uh, men that I have interacted with in my life than ever before. In fact, my wife will attest to this. Uh, we were up in my room. Uh, we just got here, and I got a phone call from a guy that came to my house a month and a half ago who was going to commit suicide. And he called to kind of give me an update to tell me that what he's been working on that we're going to share here and how he's doing. And he's still struggling, but he's coming, coming through it. But he had stuffed it. And even his wife didn't know. She knew something was different, something was wrong. And here he is in my house saying, I'm going to take my life. And as a chaplain with police and fire, and I'm not trying to be overdramatic here, I can't take going out on another suicide call with the young people that I'm seeing and having to deal with families. Because that young person read something on a Facebook that they hadn't shared with their family. And they walk away with an impression of themselves. It's not accurate. But they think the way to escape that is to take their life. And so this stuff is serious stuff. And so as I talked to men over the past two years, I realized that this has become epidemic, these distractions. And that being a writer, knowing that we have an audience, uh, literally uh, in Africa, New Zealand, Mexico, Canada, I can't be these places. And I'm, not, I'm one guy. I'm just, just you know, a pastor. I'm, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and even Jesus, remember, at 33, he said it's finished, and yet there are people to be healed and everything. But I'm just saying... I'm just a guy that God's using, a humble servant. That's what Joshua said, right? And 
yet I feel I have some insights on this because of what I've been through in my own life, the struggles that I'm going to share with you in a minute. My point is that one way I can help people that I can't see or can't connect with is to write. And so I started writing booklets. I was going to hold one up, but the bookstore has, has them more there and they're evaluating. So I wrote a booklet on fear because many of the men coming to me were coping with fear issues. And this little booklet, you know, a lot of men don't want to pick up a book and read it, but they'll put a booklet in their pocket and then they'll go, you know, at lunchtime or something and read a little booklet. So we started doing a booklet series. And this series kept going and going as I continued to meet with men who were struggling. Now, women were struggling with these issues, too. And the things that I talked about uh, were uh, um, issues that all of us struggle with. But because of our ministry, the titles and of the books and booklets were directed to men to try to get their attention. And you notice on this book, there's three men, uh, probably soldiers, trying to pull themselves and help one another over a barrier. And so what are some of the barriers? Discour discouragement and how to defeat it. Fear and how to overcome it. Anger and what to do with it. Coping with frustration. Worry, coping with stress. Um, lost. Navigational tools for successful living. Isolation, a dangerous path to walk. Temptation, money, a prideful spirit. Manning up uh, and goes on. The point is that eventually these 14 pamphlets work their way into a book. So you have them in one place now. But uh, the point is that that's where this, uh, this um, message came from as we talk about how to come overcome barriers, overcome these conflicts in our life. If you recall the movie Unbroken, uh, Louis uh, Zampirini, Zamp I knew I was going to say, here I am Italian and I can't pronounce it, Z Zampirini. If you recall the movie Unbroken, here was this man in 1936 that was doing... Uh, uh, the Olympics, a tremendous runner, had overcome many barriers in his life, including uh, negativism from others about his running, etc., that ends up running in the Olympics, only to find himself at the beginning of World War II uh, in a, uh, a bomber as a pilot uh, flying for our country. And as you remember, he was shot down. He lived for months in a raft with two other guys. Uh, went through all the horrors of that. Then got into a concentration camp. And uh, was beaten. Was, uh, they were trying to break him. You recall the movie was all about how can we break him. We don't want to kill him. We want to break him. And... Uh, uh, and, and in our lives, in a similar way, there are people and things going on in the world out of our control that, in my mind, are, are trying to break our spirit. And that's exactly what was happening with him. But he overcame. 
And so hence the title of the book and the series and what we're doing today is how can we begin to overcome? Many of us are in transition, uh, just as uh, uh, Joshua was with Moses. And if you recall uh, that uh, scene in uh, the Bible, in Scripture, where Joshua uh, was taking over from Moses, and he called out and he said, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never have you, uh, leave you, excuse me, or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That was from Deuteronomy 31. Those were the words that, that Joshua embraced. That he would not be discouraged that he would not let the pressures and transitions that were going on in his life overtake him. I would assume that many of you are retired in the room, but some of you are probably walking up to that time of retirement. And it's easy for you to kind of let the transitions of life with family and with friends and with your job overtake you. But God has a different plan for you. Just like with Joshua, he's saying, I am with you. I am with you. Uh, so I'd like to kind of launch into this slide series and uh, share a little bit, being uh, uh, transparent with you about my own life and um, hoping that as we get through this and, and have some question time, that we can um, uh, seek to find God's peace and his presence in our life in a greater way. That's my prayer for us today as we look at these. Many of us feel lost in the fog. And by the way, I'm going to go through these fairly rapidly. But on the back of your handout, the key slides have been printed for you. Okay, because when we get to these slides, many of you are going to want to meditate on these and study these, and so they have been printed on the back for you. If you didn't get a handout, uh, if you'll raise your hand, maybe someone can. There's two different ones, so make sure you get the right one. We get lost in the fog because of the distractions that we've talked about, the myths. You know, uh, one of the myths is that, hey, you're a man, man up, you know, suck it up. Some of us heard that from our fathers, from the Depression era, where these people uh, from hard times, they, they basically came from World War II, launched right into marriage, uh, their jobs and whatnot, never had a chance to process the war. One of the guys that, that I had the privilege of of uh, spending quite a bit of time with uh, in pastoral counseling was a 94-year-old a man who was having PTSD because he had put all that aside and hadn't processed it, and, and here he is 94 now, and he can't do the hobbies and do all the things, the work and everything that he used to be able to do, and he's, he's at home, essentially an invalid, and he's pulled out all these old photos from World War II. And the point is that uh, just telling a guy or a gal to suck it up 
That's what I was told as a young person. My dad would say to me, just don't feel that way. Well, you feel the way you feel. And someone telling you not to feel a certain way doesn't help the situation, right? I don't know why I wants to take these side trips here. Pride. Uh, our schedules uh, can uh, cause us to be lost in a fog. Our wiring, and I'll talk about that in a minute, applying God's word and not applying it can get us lost in the fog. So balancing life's priorities in a changing culture is a journey to find joy that Pastor Crawford spoke of yesterday and peace. To live a truly joyful life. Let me grab a sip of coffee here. <clears throat> So the key thing about the approach that we're trying to take here today is practical. It allows for some questions here at the end. You're going to have some homework with some resources, if you so choose, things to meditate on, and developing a lifestyle management plan. We won't do that here, but it's something I'll encourage you to do. If you don't have a lifestyle management plan, a plan on how to keep healthy, and, and how to be resilient and how to overcome these barriers and how to project forward, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, finishing well, finishing strong. Uh, so uh, then the rational uh, uh, discussion in, in a church. Uh, this topic, it was such a wonderful delight yesterday to hear Pastor Crawford talk about discouragement in a church setting. Most pastors don't want to talk about those things. Uh, they don't want to get real with the distractions of life. And they want to uh, just say to us that have more faith, pray more, uh, get rid of the sin in your life, uh, do more for Jesus. All those things are important and good, but by themselves may not be enough to help that person through their, their issues. My background and my disclaimers. I grew up in East Oakland, as I mentioned, during tumultuous time. Both of my grandparents, one, one uh, was divorced, and the other, they may as well have been divorced. It was a very unhappy home. Neither of my parents, they, they both grew up in broken, what we'd call severely broken and dysfunctional homes. Consequently, when I came along, the firstborn uh, grandchild on either side of the family and child, a male child, they had no idea how to handle a guy with the kind of ambition and, <laughs> and stuff I could get into. My point is, uh, our background does to some degree, shape our forward thinking. Uh, our personal goals. Uh, I grew up, and I didn't hear the words, I love you, I'm proud of you. Many of us that grew up with parents from that depression era, they felt if they were providing the food and staying together with mom, that that was enough. That, that, that their love language was providing my love language was a hug and being affirmed. 
And so consequently, I grew up thinking that I had to, do, to be better than anyone else in the neighborhood, that I had to do more, be better, uh, be more successful, et cetera, et cetera. So consequently, I set unrealistic goals and expectations on myself. My work experience, I was in 20 years in public administration as a park administrator and then a city manager before I went into ministry full time. That shaped my thinking. The ministry, uh, as I said, we've been doing for 41 years. I'm only 39, and to cram all that, that's pretty good. Uh, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, but I have studied this subject for over 50 years. I had uh, two different sabbaticals in uh, public administration. I took both of them to, to study the effects of stress, anxiety, and depression on me and on others in the workplace. So I have extensive background. Why these topics? You already know the answer. Uh, a lot of people are going to see doctors about a variety of issues, and as I said, how many outpatient visits do doctors are stress-related? 66%. 66%. Uh, why these topics? We need to reduce the noise in our lives. We need to reduce the noise in our lives. The thing I love about Mount Hermon, from the point we turn off the road up there to come up this hill, is I feel a peace, I feel a peace that I can't experience anywhere else. There's no TVs, no Fox News, no uh, uh, sports events. Uh, I do check my Gonzaga score to see how the guys are doing. But my point is, is that we have so much going on in our lives today. Think about our lives compared to our parents' lives or their parents' lives, an agrarian culture. What happened? Dad and family got up in the morning. They had breakfast together. They got going early after a good night's sleep, a sound night's sleep. They went out and worked. What is work? It's physical labor. It's exercise. I have to have my phone tell me how many steps I take a day to make sure I'm getting enough steps. They didn't have to worry about that. They got exercise, which is one of the key components to coping with distractions and stress and the chemical imbalances we have in our life. Exercise. And then what did they do after supper? They sat on the front porch and they processed life. Today, some of our nicer homes have front porches, but we don't sit on them. We don't process life. Because the kids at dinner table are doing this, and we're watching the news, and everybody's going their own way. And so there's just too much going on in life. No one can take from you the freedom to choose how you respond to stress. Oh, let me go back on that slide. 
um, this psychologist, Viktor Frankl, as a Jewish psychologist who was in a concentration camp. And he um, uh, looked at people in a variety of ways and determined that, um, that we could choose, even in a concentration camp setting, to find joy, to find peace, even among all the, the kinds of things that he was experiencing. So what is this thing we call stress? <laughs> now, if you're here today and you're not seeing two dolphins jump, you could be under some stress. <laughs> stress management is really life management. Uh, it, it's uh, cutting out the distractions and directions that we're looking at in life. If you're like me, you wake up in the morning and the first thing you start thinking about is your to-do list. And it's somehow, if we can find time in the morning to get that devotion in, to get those prayers in, and I've just made it a priority, I have a routine. I sit down with my cup of coffee, turn on my computer, but I get into my devotions, I get into my Bible study. Because if I don't do it right then, no matter what's important on my desk from the day before, guess what? It's noontime before I start thinking about that. Because why? We have this kind of scene going on in our mind. Maybe you feel like this guy right here, that you're being pulled in all these different directions and all these things. So the stress management consultant is here. And a guy with a tackle box, for me, uh, part of the, the healing for my mind has been the outdoors. I grew up in East Oakland, so there wasn't a lot of outdoors there, but I could hike to the hills, and I was in Boy Scouts, praise God, and had a number of opportunities to enjoy the outdoors. Then I got into fishing and uh, bow hunting and all kinds of other things in the outdoors. And, it, and, it, and it, it's not um, uh, a revelation to me that Jesus often would speak to people by water. In fact, my new devotional book, Besides Still Waters, that's where God can talk to us, is when we're in his, his environments, whether it's near water or whatever, Louise commented how much she loves this babbling brook that we've seen for 44 years. It's not a huge river or anything. It's a babbling brook. But it, the, the fact that they've uh, placed now chairs or, or benches and uh, cement pillars that you can sit on, a time, a place to reflect. So how we, uh, we're not going to get into a whole lot of, on definitions, but there's good stress and bad stress. Uh, there's stress that empowers us, uh, that uh, uh, when we're in a situation, um, uh, whether it's a football game or we're not playing football much anymore, uh, or whatever, that kind of stress can cause us to move forward. Uh, that's called eustress. And there's bad stress, the stress that eats at us. And so we look for the balance that we need to find. And with men, uh, 
one of the things I mentioned earlier is, you know, we tend to want to fix things, right? Uh, the women, on the other hand, they just want to be heard. So we tend to think that when there's a stressful situation, our role as uh, husbands is to fix it. And I am, I stand guilty on that because uh, our twin sons would come home from high school. And here I am still in my suit. I'd have my jacket off for dinner because we're going to uh, go to, uh, uh, I have to go to a town council meeting or some kind of meeting and I, my mind is still in the city manager's mind, right? And here I have two teenage boys that come home that just want to share and have, be listened to. And what am I trying to do as a father? I want to fix things for my kids. Because I didn't have a dad that had that desire to fix things. And so... I, I needed to listen more. I needed to take Louise's position on that and just be let them share their, their issues, okay? And so uh, that's an important thing that we can learn from our wives is just to, um, to be good listeners. The making of a stressful person, I say man, it could be a woman as well, but in my research on... Uh, brokenness, on stress, on um, distractions, I found that oftentimes these kinds of things that you see listed up here are things that uh, uh, tend to be uh, found in a person who has difficulty coping with distractions or stress. These aren't things we can necessarily change, because they're part of our nature. You know, I can't change that I was first born, okay? I can't change that I, I uh, was packaged as in my early youth with, with a poor self-esteem. I can't, I can't necessarily uh, go back and change the record. But what I can to do is I can choose to take a different direction. And rather than go off the cliff, I can go forward and look at these things and build off these things and recognize these things in others. One of the things as I was praying about this time with you all and realizing our ages is that for many of us, we've kind of figured some of this stuff out. But the reality is we have kids and grandkids that are trying to figure this stuff out. So my hope is that while this may help some of you directly here, that you can take some of this stuff and be able to share it with others, your kids or your grandkids who are going through issues. And when you begin to see some of these signs, some of this wiring going on, that you can say, well, wait a minute, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. How can we modify that in some way that might help that young person change their direction for the future? Some stress-filled people we know, we're not alone, folks, those of us that are, 
having trouble coping, uh, having trouble overcoming barriers in our life that distract us from joy, from peace, from loving God more. Uh, Elijah, Jonah, David, Peter, Martin Luther, a lot of people that we read about in God's word had these, these kind of struggles, these kinds of conditions, the kind of things that we saw, the wiring of how a stress-filled person or a person coping with issues, uh, coping with obstacles, the kinds of things they have. If you look at these Bible characters, and that's part of your homework to look at some of these, that you'll see the, the kinds of wiring that they had that caused them difficulty in their lives. <clears throat> the, um, again, we're not going to sit here. I want to have some time for your questions um, and to have some discussion. But as we look at the Tom t top 10 stressors that distract us, that are barriers. And again, what is a barrier? I should have given that in the very beginning. A barrier is something that causes us to either stop, to go back, to go to find a way around or find a way over, right? It, it's something that's in our road that causes us to move away from the direction we were headed. So if our direction was headed to be the ultimate grandma, grandpa, um, uh, uh, mother, father, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, a barrier comes in front of us. Maybe it's some stressor that causes us to, to get anxious, to, to repel. If we're not intentional about getting through that barrier, around that barrier, over that barrier we can end up going backwards. And all that's to say, I know that's a, a big general statement, and I appreciate that I've written on this subject for years, that I'm trying to condense all this down into you know, 40 minutes. But what I'm saying here is that we can choose to go to God's Word and to find those passages that help us to cope with these issues. And we're going to talk about that in a little more in depth here shortly. But the idea of being a provider, um, uh, that in itself today is, is a difficult task. If you're still working, you may have had to work at home for the last uh, part of the last two years or to change your whole uh, approach. I know for me, uh, I couldn't just jump on a jet and go speak where I was scheduled to speak because that church isn't even open. And so we've had to learn different styles. Uh, uh, the conflict with family relationships, a, a big one. When there's a conflict within family, it produces issues. Coping with transition, failure of support systems, coping with unknown, being in control. Uh, people that are high control freaks, so to speak, have often have difficulty with stress and dealing with stressors and, and, and barriers because they want to try to control everything rather than 
go to God and seek his guidance. Uh, national and international affairs, uh, our health, our lack of it, feeling loved and appreciated, adjusting to mood swings, recognizing we have mood swings. And guys, if you don't think you're hormonal, go talk to your doctors. Because I can guarantee you, midlife crisis for men is as much hormonal as it is mental. But we don't talk about those things. Um, and yet they have their impact. So how do we wade through the chaos? What are the barriers preventing us from having that joy-filled life? And are we willing to explore those thoughts and look at a different perspective? Some of the signs of our time, I mentioned those in the beginning. Uh, one of the things is, in my mind, having that church leader, that pastor who's being, being willing to talk about issues, contemporary issues from a biblical perspective and hitting them head on. Uh, too many pastors today, maybe not your pastor, but I, I see scores of churches every year and I see those pastors who tell me ahead of time to be politically sensitive. You're talking to the wrong person when you give me that message because I, I am who I am, okay? And um, I think we're so worried about offending people that we're not standing for truth and standing for righteousness and standing for what God is telling us. So more signs and symptoms of our time. Again, we don't need to focus on this, but these are things that uh, create barriers uh, and whatnot. And so um, we find people today, those topics that I named that are in this book, uh, these 14 topics that we see going on with uh, men and women uh, that um, uh, create uh, emptiness, uh, create uh, a lack of uh, fulfillment, a lack of joy. And so there are three enemies that can choke us, worry, discouragement, and depression. And we're going to talk about these at different levels. But I agree with uh, Pastor Crawford in what he said, that there are times we need to look at um, the depth of either your problem or someone in your family that's coping with depression, coping with stress. Um, when we talk about depression, and there are different levels of depression. Um, these are some of the things that I find in people that I'm dealing with that I found in myself when I was going through uh, times of depression that I had to uh, look at and realize that these are some of the signs and symptoms that we need to um, be aware of. Again, I'm looking at an audience here who many of you have maybe gone through this at some point in your life. Uh, I'd be surprised if there was someone here that hasn't gone through some of this at some time. And we have figured a way to cope with this, to deal with these barriers. But 
I, I, I give this to you as something you can pass on to others that may not have discovered what it is that you have discovered. And, you know, just because we're Christians, we're not exempt from the stresses that can, uh, that can um, uh, uh, be a barrier to our faith. I'm reminded of three passages of Scripture that I'd just like to talk about a little bit when I'm um, talking about coping with stress, anxiety, and depression, and distractions. And um, uh, one of the things that I learned from my wife was uh, being this uh, driven guy uh, trying to do more with less. Um, I was really scheduled. And I remember we were in uh, Castro Valley, and the boys were about five. And I came home uh, from work. I was an administrator, uh, sport coat, tie, briefcase with the Parks Department. I had a, a meeting that I had to get to that night, and I come home about 5.15, knowing my meeting's starting at 6.30, and no food on the table. In fact, nothing was going on in the kitchen at all. And it was like, what's going on? And um, I heard this noise uh, outside the kitchen window, and, and I looked over the counter, and there's Louise in this muddy sandbox with these towhead twins playing sandbox games. And it had rained, so there was mud everywhere on them, on their toys, on everything. And I was going to start to say something through the window, and then it caught me. It caught me. She's enjoying the good part. She's in doing the important thing. And I'm worried about some dumb meeting. And that comes from Luke 5, 40. You remember the story? Mary and Martha, they were, they were in their home. And uh, Jesus brings his ragtag disciples, probably all dirty and crusty, from on the road. And what happens? Okay. Mary and Martha take two different approaches on how to deal with a situation. Mary realizes this is a unique opportunity to talk with Jesus and his disciples. And she goes to Jesus' feet, maybe washing them and talking with Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, is running around the kitchen, worried about schedule, worried about preparation, worried about all these things to feed these guys, right? And she's there working in the kitchen, and her sister is fellowshipping with Jesus. And she says to Mary, essentially, hey, would you come and help me? You know, would you, would you get on with the program here? We've got work to do. And it's interesting because... Uh, it said, this word that we've been using that uh, Pastor used last night, distracted, 
But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came to him and said, Lord, you, uh, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered, distracted by so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Are you choosing the good part? When you have your kids over or your grandkids with you, are you more worried about how they look and that they're properly scrubbed up and that they're, they're sitting and have the right manners and all that? Or are you worried, and not worried, but are, are you enjoying their fellowship? And I think women do a whole, much, a whole lot better job at that than us guys do. And we could learn from them because they're listeners and uh, they're engaged. And, and, and we start laying out instructions and rules and orders sometimes. And as I stood there at that window and peered into that scene where Louise was with those two boys, Luke 10 came to my mind. And I sat there with tears in my eyes, wishing I could climb in that sandbox and be part of that scene. And then Mark 6.31. We tend to think that sometimes we can wrap ourselves up in our religiosity or our church work. It's interesting what Jesus said in his last words to his disciples and to the church in Matthew 28 and in Acts 1. He didn't say, go do. He said, go be. He didn't say, go do being an usher. Go do work in the kitchen. Do go do the bulletins. Do go speak. Do do. No, he said, go be my witness. That's what he called us to do. And in that scene uh, that the uh, pastor spoke of this morning uh, in John 21, he was teaching them about love and what authentic love is. That's what is key to the Christian life. It's not being so engaged in ministry that we lose track of the important thing. And so in Mark 6, uh, 30 to 31, 32, you see Jesus and the disciples had been out teaching and preaching, but the disciples had been dismissed by Jesus to go two by two into the world and to try out some of the things they had learned from Jesus. And you can imagine, they came back so filled with excitement. They were tired. Uh, I, I'm sure they, they had a hundred questions for Jesus and they were distracted 
And what they did, they come back, and, and you can imagine this noise as they filtered in two by two of all what was going on and asking Jesus, but I couldn't heal this person. And what about this person? What about this question? Jesus said, stop. Stop. Those things we'll address later. He said, come away by yourself to a lonely place and rest a while. Where is it in your life, in my life, that we have those lonely places? I know mothers that have little kids running around that said, I go into my bathroom and sit on the toilet and with a seat down, and so I can have some quiet time with Jesus. Whatever it takes for you, Mount Hermon is the ultimate quiet place. Well, there's one other place in New Zealand my wife knows about that we hike to. It's a waterfall. That is really heaven on earth, I think. But uh, this place is, is a, a place. But where in your neighborhood, where in your house, what in your time are those quiet times to do what Jesus said? Come away by yourself to a lonely place and rest. I think he was talking about physical rest, mental rest, and also the idea of, of having time with him. And then in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, we're encouraged by Paul as he spoke to the people in Corinth in their ministry there, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, and I would say anxieties, in our distractions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. And again, I have to resonate that whatever that comfort, whatever that peace is that you have found, make sure you take time to share it with others. Uh, so, the thing that you have on the back of your sheet, and with a few minutes left, I'm going to whip through this very quickly. When we see people who are distracted, who are trying to overcome barriers and burdens, in my mind, it's, it's, I, I liken it to a, a tree with three big roots, like a big oak tree with three roots. That that the problem could be centered on any one of those roots, or all three, or a combination of two. But the point is this, that years ago, we would go to the pastor as Christians, and we'd say, I'm struggling with, and you fill in the blank. And the pastor would say, again, you ought to pray more uh, in, in some... Uh, uh, denominations, you, you got to do, uh, uh, you know, pen, penance or whatever, okay? Not recognizing that there were uh, any other, anything else that could be causing or adding to this distraction or problem. 
Uh, certainly don't go see a psychologist, even a Christian psychologist. Oh, they're bad. It all needs to stay in the church. Keep it quiet and stay in the church. You come and see me. And he's not qualified to give any advice. And then uh, the, the physical part, physiological part, no one recognized back then, even some of the psychologists. And so what I find is there are three potential routes to a problem, the problem being a tree that's dying, us being that soul <laughs> that might be having trouble coping with life, and there's three roots. It could be a spiritual root. That is to say, is there unconfessed sin? I've had men come to me and go, man, I'm just really struggling with depression or struggling with distraction or I can't focus. And so we get into an intimate conversation and they're having an affair with their secretary. Well, gee, um, yeah, that could have something to do with it. That is a spiritual issue. And we're going to deal, deal with that on a spiritual basis. And accountability, confession, repentance, etc. So the, the nature of the issue that's, that's creating a barrier from you having the love and the joy and the peace that you want could be a, a spiritual uh, issue. And if so, it needs to be addressed in a spiritual way. But it could also be a psychological route. For instance, again, you have these on the back of your sheet. It could be uh, some of these issues, PTSD. It could be personality disorder or whatever. I had a neighbor when we uh, first moved up there that moved into our area. I helped him build his home. Uh, I knew he was weird, and I knew he, yeah. And uh, this guy... Um, Came to the Lord. His wife uh, came and worked for us part-time. I got her job in her church. And the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of a neighborhood hassle where uh, he was on a water system we weren't on. We had our own well. And he was threatening these other neighbors. And I got in the middle of it. And he threatened to kill me. I mean, I had to report him to the sheriff. Now, I tried to handle it spiritually with him, but this guy is bipolar. This guy was going to shoot me. He came to our porch and asked Louise, where's Jim? I'm going to kill him. Well, that isn't something that we can fix, okay? Uh, I almost had the sheriff fix him. He was reported. And he had that problem with our pastor, and threatened him, he had that problem with the other neighbors. The point is, he had psychological issues. He needed a professional psychiatrist to deal with him and to prescribe the proper things. He was bipolar, okay? He was born that way, okay? If we try to treat that just as a spiritual issue, that isn't going to work. We have to get him the proper help. Now, the newest uh, thing on the horizon is the chemical or the physiological part. And we're finding in my research over, and not only mine, but more importantly, doctors and professionals, have found that these are all things that can physiologically affect us. I suffered with depression. In my 20s, 
I got to the point a couple times that I thought I'd take my life. And I couldn't understand it. I went to my pastor. I talked with him. I felt spiritually. I went through the checklist. I, I was doing the best I could. It wasn't perfect, but I was working hard spiritually on my spiritual foundation. I'd taken so many psychology classes that I had a minor in psychology, and I didn't have any of these bipolar and all this, but I couldn't understand. I just couldn't get the other side of feeling better. And in my 40s, I met a doctor who said, Jim, I think you have blue genes, G-E-N-E-S, meaning I inherited the, the tendency, the predisposition to depression that my dad had, that I saw, and I saw my grandmother. My grandmother lived in a living room all dark all the time and watched TV with her dog Mickey on her lap. That was it. She had depression so bad. The point is that I inherited a gene that doesn't allow me to produce a serotonin that my brain needs, the chemicals in my brain needs to do connective work. And I can't, with time, I can't get into all. But neuroepinephrine, testosterone, endorphins. As I work with firefighters and police officers that go out to these horrendous scenes, and then they're dealing with the backwash of all this in their mind, I tell them you need exercise, you need for sure, you need God first. <laughs> There's no doubt there. That, that's a, the spiritual foundation. But there are things that you need to do that, that you, you can help. Taking increased vitamin D in our neck of the woods up there, depression is major. Why? Not enough sunlight. Not, not enough vitamin D. Okay? We're not Seattle, but we do get some overcast. It is in Southern California. So the point is that sleep, nutrition, eating the right foods, uh, again, exercise is a key thing. So I work with our firefighters and police officers on putting together a life management program that helps them to overcome these obstacles. If they have the obstacle of fear in their life, we need to look at that from a biblical perspective and then what is it that God shows us on how to overcome fear? But we can't do that until we get the uh, physiological part straightened out and eliminating the noise in our lives. If we want to live a truly balanced life, we need to hear God's voice. And to hear God's voice, we have to have clarity of mind. We have to have peace. We have to have forgiveness. And so uh, we're not going to have a chance to get to these because I want to get to your questions, but I don't know if this has helped. Uh, again, uh, there are uh, four or five books over there that we're offering you at a, a substantially discounted price. I'm not here worried about selling books. If you can't afford one, you go ahead and take one and, and use it. But this Overcoming Barriers Men Face, that's for men and women. Uh, even though, again, my primary audience is men, uh, these specific barriers that I mentioned earlier are in there. Finishing well, finishing strong, we're going to talk about tomorrow, how we finish life.
Uh, act like men, be strong. If anybody is having problems here with young people, the pajama boys that are sitting around like grandma shovels the snow and they're playing video games and all that kind of thing, it's talking about biblical manhood, what that looks like, and the spiritual mentor, which is the heart and beat of our ministry, which is discipleship and evangelism. But uh, Louise will be over there, and, and Thelma, uh, they, they have some uh, money, and they can help you with that. But let me uh, take the last few minutes here. Um, I'm sorry I went over, but um, to see what questions you might have. And I'm willing to come back here after lunch to uh, talk with anyone on a personal basis or to take more questions. Right, so you're going to do part two tomorrow. Part two tomorrow is finishing well, finishing strong. Okay. Any questions? Thoughts? We have an issue on here, uh, heart valve issues. What do you yeah. mean by that? Okay, it's a proven uh, fact that medically, uh, first of all, 10% of all women have mitral valve prolapse. That, and it's a benign situation. Louise has it. I think... I don't know if one of the boys have it, it's benign. But what we have found is that for some reason that there's a higher percentage of people who have blood flow issues who are more prone to have depression issues. Not that that's a single reason, but the statistics show that for whatever reason, people that have blood flow issues have a, uh, a problem. Uh, more with depression. Good question. Anybody else? Real quick. Well, I hope uh, I gave you something, if not for yourself, for others. And let me just dismiss this in prayer. And again, I'll hang around here as long as you want. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for this uh, group of people, that they might be ambassadors, they might be watchmen, in their homes, in their communities, in their churches, to sound the alarm, to help people who are going through problems of over overcoming barriers. Be with them, we pray, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.